Welcome to the Boom or Bust NRL Fantasy Podcast 2023. If you like what you hear today, make sure to follow us at Boom or Bust NRL on Facebook and Instagram and subscribe to the podcast. Good evening and welcome back to the Boom or Bust NRL Fantasy Podcast for our preseason number three pod. We're kicking off our uh, preseason reviews tonight with the Dragons and the Knights. I'm your host, Stuart Lord, and tonight I'm joined by Mitch Brown, our expert physio. Hey, Mitch. Hey, mate. How are you? I was just telling you before, it's a bit smoked today, mate, but otherwise doing well. Yourself? I, I, I feel you. I feel exactly the same way, but, you know... I've been looking forward to talking about the Dragons for a couple of weeks now, so hopefully this brightens the day up. <laughs> and uh, we also have returning, we have Mark Jessup from the NRL Fantasy Amateurs podcast as our guest host tonight. Hey, Mark. Hey, pleasure to be here, guys. Excellent. Uh, how's sunny Queensland treating you? Uh, not that sunny at the moment, actually, uh, but somehow still hot. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's like overcast and 33 degrees at 7 o'clock at night. It's great. Are you up north or are you in Brisbane, mate? I'm uh, north Brisbane, um, but I'm originally a Townsville boy, hence my love of the uh, North Queensland Cowboys. Ah, fair enough, mate. Well, at least you should be used to that weather then. Yeah, 30, 33 is almost jumper weather. <laughs> fair enough. All right. Well, look... Uh, Guys, uh, thanks for, uh, we've got quite a few uh, listeners and comments on the podcast, so thank you everyone at home for doing that uh, and subscribing. Uh, also, a little bit of news this week, guys. Uh, first of all, how about we kick off, this one's a duel, so Lockie Miller finally signed with the Knights, so he's going to get, what, a month's worth of preseason, guys? Yeah. Yeah, yep. so, look, probably just enough for us to be okay to get on, but we'll talk about that a bit later. Uh, and then same day that Lockie Miller officially signs, uh, K Dykes does his ACL. Who's the was well, I guess the other backup fullback at the Sharks. Uh, Mitch, ouch. Yeah, that's that's not good. Um, that's not how you want to go through preseason, is it really? No. Um, yeah. Now, Mark, quick hot take here. How uh, how confident mm-hmm. are you feeling the Sharks' season now that they're running? They're definitely going to have to run Will Kennedy at fullback for the full season. Oh, well, I I was of the belief that that was going to happen anyway, barring injury. But the Sharkies are actually my uh, smoky for the the grand final winners this year. So Whoa. Uh, I'll yeah. put a sandwich on that. Yeah, they, they con- a lot of squad continuity. If anything, maybe marginally better. Uh, I guess the only real downside now is their their backup fullback is their gun halfback or Connor Tracy. So it's uh yeah it's certainly the 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 untimely demise of their squad depth is is interesting. But I mean there's there's plenty of options there. They've also got you know shuffling of Mulatalo maybe back there. I've always thought he could he'd play that role and get uh, Ikevalu in. So they've got plenty of options. Trindle, but yeah certainly not. Um, not helpful losing your backup fullback the day you release your other backup fullback. <laughs> Fair enough. So you're going to take up Mitch on his sandwich bet for the, uh, or his door dash bet, I guess in this case, on uh, on the Sharkies making the grand final. Oh no, I'm not that passionate about it. Unless you want to, unless you want to give me Sharkies versus the Dragons, who finishes higher on the ladder, I might have a, a nibble like that. that I, I'd but... want, I'd want to have like hundred to one odds. On that. <laughs> Fair enough. 
or, or something like uh, the, the the knights versus the dragons which we'll get into a bit later um all right the other big news uh turbo back for round one mitch i'll, I'll go to you this one again yep so uh, uh what are on, we mate. thinking uh look he, he could well be back for round one i mean it's not outrageous to think that he will be ready given the time frames of his hamstring injury but that doesn't make me any less scared about picking him up uh, this year. It's funny, I was thinking about the podcast on the drive home and what I was going to say about it. And uh, it's it's going to be one of those things that I, I really don't want to pick up Turbo because I, I just feel like he's an injury magnet. I'm not just so much worried about his hamstring as pretty well every other joint on his body. Um, it, it might be one of those things that Mark was talking about last week where I'm sort of forced to just by the fact that every numpty out there is going to pick him up. And if I'm not on the train and it takes off, then I'll be I'll be left behind. And you know, it'd be like the poor suckers in 2020 uh, who didn't get on him, or 2021 rather. So uh, I don't feel good about it. But I, you know, I'm not just worried about his hamstring. I'm kind of worried about Tommy Turbo as a whole. And I'm not really super thrilled on this Eagles side. But I think I'll probably have to get on him because everyone's going to see this and see that he's been to the states and assume it's some miracle cure. Um, and therefore, you know, uh, he's you learned how to, to move again, Mitchell. He's learned how to move. Come uh, on. Uh, uh, at, at risk of getting in trouble, I'm not going to comment. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, Bill Knowles will come for you, mate. Break your legs. That's uh, right. All good. So, uh, I, I don't know, Mark, what about this for a quick thought? You know, I know that we're all going to get a chance to see Turbo round one. Is it worth possibly waiting to see Turbo in round one? They have the buy in round two anyway. So pick him up round three if we're really excited by what we see. Oh, mate, there is absolutely nothing that could make me select Turbo in round one or round three. Fair enough. Nothing. I, I'm glad. Nothing. I'm glad. I'm glad you said that. Cause I, I feel pretty similarly. I, I just, I don't like it. Slaps out. You know, slaps out a it, century. It it actually has absolutely nothing to do with the hamstring either. Yep. So, just you know, t- taking away the hamstring injury, the bloke has like one season in his career outside of. Uh, 2021 where he averages over 50 and he comes in priced at 44 and he's got a round two buy. He's going to play state of origin. Then he has another awkward buy as well. He's someone I'm looking for in like round 17, assuming that he holds up for the rest of the year prior. And that's a big assumption. The other thing I'd say about that is I do worry about this manly team's continuity. I mean, I know they've got one of the greatest coaches of all time in Anthony Seabolt coming in, but I'm just not convinced like this team could be a potential uh, wooden spooner. Really? Uh, Look, Anthony Seabold's obviously going to have to take you to court for that one because, you know, he did win Coach of the Year at the Rabbitohs. <laughs> I reckon I could have won Coach of the Year at the Rabbitohs that year. Fair enough. All right, well, let's before we get into too much trouble and, uh, you know, have to flee the country, uh, let's talk about the last one. Speaking about people fleeing or entering the country, Mark, what's happening with John Bateman? Yeah, so there's a vicious rumour floating around that uh, he's going to be in the country this week, so... All things point to him coming back. The question, obviously, is going to be whether he takes his place on the edge and ruins Sean Bloor for us or whether he starts Locke or off the bench and, and gets some fitness up. I think Locke's probably his best spot in this Tigers team, much to the disappointment of everybody suggesting he's going to be on the edge. But more excited than I am for John Bateman is I'm finally excited to see Luke Brooks reach, reach his potential this year. Oh. How's he going to do that, mate? What, what, what's the secret formula there? Hey, well, Benji's teaching them all to pass, if you read the uh, the news that's coming out. So I everybody's do. going to learn how to pass. 
Oh, that's, and um, they, they the haven't done that finally. <laughs> Not since the days of Russell Packer and Ben Maddalino have they seen a forward pack of this quality. Uh, and Chris McQueen, heralded signings, big money and, uh, you know, short, short careers of success, but never mind. Oh, look, we'll, uh, you know, I think that with that the they... exception of Isaiah Papali'i and, and Appy, like, I mean, like Clemmer, he's, you know, he's uh, been on losing clubs for 90% of his career. So, That's... yeah, I, I don't know. That's true. Though, on the plus side, they're, they're adding three players to the team who played in the grand final last year. Two of them won. There you go. So we'll see. We'll see how that one pans out. Anyway, uh, awesome. So look, guys, uh, let's knock into the team, uh, the team review for the Dragons. So guys, just settle down in your seats for a second. Listen, who the Dragons are picking up? So they're picking up Jacob Little, West Tigers, uh, Nick uh, Louis Toso, who was I believe the Queensland Cup second row of the year, uh, Michael Molo, uh, who I believe was signed just into the top thirty. Ben Murdoch Masilla from the New Zealand Warriors and Zane Musgrove the world's with the world's cleanest rap sheet uh, from the West Tigers as well. How are you feeling about that one, Mitch? I don't know why you'd sign a single one of those players. <laughs> well, I but you, you go to the team losses and the, and you're going to ask me go to your team go to the team losses and I'll give you the the full rundown because uh, we, that's half baked, mate. Uh, but okay, uh, fair enough. Okay, uh, Mark, how about you take me through team losses, mate? Oh, so uh, Daniel Alvaro, this is a big loss here. He's off to, to Laos. Uh, George Burgess retired. I thought he retired like five years ago, but apparently he's definitely retired now. Uh, Pasa Farmacilli's off to the Dolphins. Jackson Ford to the Warriors. Jack Kachevsky's off to the mighty North, North Queensland Cowboys juggernaut. Andrew McCulloch also retired. Josh Maguire's off to Warrington. And Tarek Sims to the Melbourne Storm. So, so you look at that, Stu, and it's like all those players needed to go. I mean, Tarek's a bit of a loss, but re-signing him, you know, with where the squad's going is probably not great. It's just that they're, they're not improved either. And kind of as Mark said, they need to clean house. They're sort of a quarter of the way there. I just wish the other 13 would get the punt as well, and we might have something going. Do, do you reckon... I, I know I was looking at something today where they talked about the, the Bulldogs from 2021, how there's like one player left from that starting 13. Yeah. That, that's kind of what needs to happen. You know, I think, you know, when we chatted about the Dragons preemptively last time, Mark said they need to finish last to revive revive the club. I think he couldn't be more accurate. Like, ever since JDB, there's, there's cancer in St. George and the whole thing has to go. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm thinking about it. I'm just thinking, yeah, I reckon, I reckon over the next couple of years you will see a lot of churn, right? The question is, can they do what Gus has done and somehow manage to keep on signing people? This, well, I do I do have a question here, boys. You know, we talked uh, on the last episode about the uh, the new team, the Dolphins, being $2 million under the salary cap. How is this team anywhere near the salary cap? <laughs> well, ben, ben Hunt's taken up ben half Hunt's of it, isn't he? Ben Hunt's on 1.2. No, uh, Aaron Woods is their third best player. <laughs> I'm just looking through it. Hang on. Uh, Zach Lomax is on big money. I think. He's on think seven he's on... to eight hundred. Yeah, he's on big money, but you know what? He's actually a quality center. He just doesn't get quality ball. Yeah. Uh, they okay, I, I would point. contest that Jack Bird's probably the third best player. <laughs> yeah. But then, then it's hard to argue with you after that because uh, I'm looking at this going, wow. You look at I don't the guys know. I think I've got, a, I think I've got it too high on the ladder. I've got to right. change that. Guys who, think, 
guys who would walk into other clubs in this team is what Ben Hunt, Zach Lomax, Jack Bird. That's it. Uh, yeah, I think most players are probably struggling to make the bench. Maybe, maybe Jack DeBellin can make the bench. Maybe. Mm. If he stays out of, you know, stops hiding under beds. <laughs> what about the uh, Queensland State of Origin hero, Jaden Sewer, mate? Um, I actually think he's a high-quality player. He just can't, can't keep himself out of freaking trouble with the judiciary, right? Although, although I thought he was hard done by on those two suspensions early in the year. And That's actually, not actually about edge, really. Moses Suli as well, I must say. Moses Suli was a good buy. He's a very good player. Yeah, but he can't pass. He makes the break. He's got to pass, dude. Got to pass. You've got an unmarked man, and he's like, you know, i got to run over the next dude. No, pass the ball. It's just the fullback. Just pass it. He needs to go and see he... Benji. He needs to go see Benji. He's got to learn <laughs> how to pass. Send him over to the Tigers for a season to learn from Benji how to pass. Fine <laughs> oh, deal. God. Anyway, well, look. Let, let, let's move a quick quick move on here. Let's talk about injuries and suspensions. Uh, yep. Mitch, Francis Molo, what's doing? Mate, he's suspended and uh, set to return round three. Uh, that's actually a big loss for St. George because he, he, was, he was probably their best buyer last year. This is a sad one, guys, because I thought he really started to find his feet towards the end of last season, or although he needs to learn how to catch the high ball. Cody Ramsey, so... Uh, news is that he's got colitis and he's had to have multiple surgeries on his bowel. So in that scenario, I'm presuming they actually had, had to take parts and sections of it that, that were basically shot to bits. He's gone for the season. So look, I hope he recovers for it. It actually is the sort of thing that could end his career. Uh, and the implication of that, of course, is going to be that Tyrell Sloan should, although we never know with Hook, given Moses Embi still in the squad, but Tyrell Sloan should have a clear shot at the fullback role. So... Sorry to hear that with Cody because uh, I thought he had a couple of good moments there last year. He was sort of a poor man's Ryan Pappenhausen. Uh, Talatawa Moan, so he's been banished to the Shadow Realm. Uh, and as a result, Jaden Sewer is uh, looking like he's going to get the number six job. Jack DeBellin, so he's listed with a shoulder injury and is set to return in the preseason. Once again, there's not much information out there, but if, if there was, you know, it would sort of be saying that he had surgery. So... I just don't have many major concerns. It could be like a bit of a rotator cuff complaint or something of that nature. But if he's set in the preseason, uh, I'm not overly concerned. Same with uh, Terrell Fumarino. So elbow set for preseason. Uh, no no word of any major, major ligamentous uh, injuries or fractures there. So again, if he's set for preseason, wouldn't be too, too concerned. This one I am a little bit more concerned with is Michaeli Ravalawa. Uh, hamstring issue again. So he's crept up into Tommy Tur Turbo territory and I don't imagine the Dragons will be sending him to America. So that, that's a bit of a problem, isn't it, guys? Uh, <laughs> he is set. He is set. He's got to learn to move again. He is set for the uh, for return in the preseason. Um, look, he is now becoming a bit of an injury magnet. And once you start to have hamstrings, they tend to keep on happening. And Ravalawa's scoring is dependent on him going full tilt. Uh, and, and the hamstring's really going to be a bit of an issue there. And he, he sort of unfortunately strikes me, uh, Stu, as a bit like um, Brian Toto. But instead of doing too much, I, I would wager Alvalawa doesn't do much of his rehab and then just, again, goes full tilt in the game. So I just think he's a bit of a stay away, unfortunately. He can't stay out of trouble with the judiciary and he can't stay out of trouble with his hamstring. So I think he's, you know, getting to the borderline unpickable section if he already wasn't there. 
Jaden Sullivan, so again, another hamstring injury now. He doesn't seem to have a huge history of hamstrings, and he's set to return in the preseason. So again, no major concerns, but we, we may possibly see M by in the Haas, but hopefully not because I actually think Jaden Sullivan uh, looks to be one of the better Haas we've had come through. Unfortunately, he doesn't have a coach who can really teach him how to play. <laughs> Fair enough. Look, I'll, I'll, I'll quickly give you a break, Mitch, and just take us through the strength of schedule. So, look, the Dragons start us off with a mighty, mighty round one bye. So the NRL in their infinite wisdom, they decide who's the team we don't want to see round one. <laughs> and uh, also, I think, because uh, with the Women's World Cup on this year, I'm guessing that uh, Cogra is probably not high on their list of venues, so they'll probably be playing a lot of games there during the middle of the season. Uh, they also got round 16 and 20, so which... You know, one of them's the big origin buy and the other one's just the post-origin. Not that we're really expecting many guys to play origin apart from Ben Hunt. Uh, look, middle of the pack as far as strength of schedule goes, really. Uh, very easy early, though. Uh, apparently in this, Titans, Broncos. So this is round two. They get the Titans, Broncos, Sharks, Dolphins, Titans. So, you know, there's at least... What, how, how are we feeling that if the Dragons don't start the season, what, 3-3, three and three, we're getting worried? I'm worried before they start the season. Yeah, but like I'm thinking if they don't walk out of this, or at least 3-3, three and three, so, so winning against, you know, what, the Titans and the Dolphins, we, they've probably got a problem, right? They've got a massive problem. Yeah, they're going to be lucky to be 1-5. and five. They might lose to the bye. <laughs> like, 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 really, they should go out of that 4-5. and five. Titans, Broncos, Sharks, Dolphins, Titans. Okay, well, they might drop yeah. one to the Sharks, but that is at home. You're having That's a laugh, aren't you? They're not going to, but they should. The Broncos. The Broncos were a top four side last year before they got... No, know, the, the Dragons rail. have a Dragons have a very good record against the Broncos. Oh, no. This is, they have this a, is a bad theory. team, mate. They're a shocking <laughs> team, but Brisbane... Brisbane can go off the boil. Yeah, so. that's true. And and the Dragons do like trying to disrupt teams, and the Broncos are very disruptable, as we've seen. Brisbane that's... still doesn't really have a half either, just saying. Ooh, they have a half. He's just not always fit. Uh, Brisbane, anyway. Brisbane don't have a half, as I said. Fair enough. Uh, all good. And look, the other part is, is that uh, they've got some uh, bad games in the middle there, Roosters, Cowboys, and Roosters again in round 12. Oh, yeah, so look, looking at this one, uh, I'm not sure that we want to own too many high-priced dragons because on the round way home they've got the eels away, rabbitos away, storm home, warriors away in uh, New Zealand, and then they come back for the knights at home round twenty. They'd be lucky. They'd be lucky to win one of those. Yeah, they'd be lucky to get into Auckland Airport at the moment. Uh, all good. So, uh, look, it's the middle of the season's good, but really, we want to get on a couple of guys early and then probably stay away by the look of this. Any disagreement? No. No. Very sweet. So, look, I'll real quickly run us through the 17. Just very last thing. Uh, actually, Mark, do you want to take us through the 17? Uh, sure. Yeah, so, obviously, Tyrell Sloan's going to take the fullback jersey. Uh, Matt... Fine and Michaeli Ravalawa on the wings, assuming that he's fit. Uh, Suli and Lomax in the centres. The halves, uh, you've got Jaden Sullivan and Ben Hunt here, but I actually saw something interesting suggesting that Jack Bird might be at six, mm, uh, which would throw some throw some, you know, 
Cat Amongst the Pigeons, uh, and then obviously Jacob Little in the nine, and then Jaden Sewer on the edge with Jack Bird or maybe Tyrell Fuimano, which would be interesting. Uh, and then uh, Blake Laurie, Zane Musgrove, and Jack DeBellin rounding out the uh, the forward pack with uh, Mbai in the utility role, Murdoch Masilla, Josh Kerr, and uh, I guess Francis Molo once he returns, but uh, that'll either be Fu- uh, Fuimano or Aaron Woods or somebody else irrelevant. Easy. Yeah, a, a little bit of action happening here. Uh, look, how about we start off with Jack Bird then? You know, we just... Who, who's got... Who's got Jackie Bird? I don't think any... You know what? I'm a genius. I don't think any of us have Jackie Bird. So... <laughs> Jeez. That, no, that's all good, oh, mate. mate. Let's talk about Jackie Bird. It's very simple to do. So, because uh, that's very interesting, him being at six. 607K, dual edge and center. So last year, he actually played... I actually did look him up before this. Uh, he played four different positions last year. So he did had a little stint at fullback, played on edge played at lock and I believe he picked up a game at center. So what are we thinking about the first um, four player position player, Mark? Well, I mean, I, I, I had a look at bird uh, in, in one of our articles and um, if we only look at his edge starts, which is, you know, really probably his best position in this team with the departure of Sims. Uh, he's got a 15 game sample there where he plays almost a full game of Average of 44, mm. um, which is pretty good. So, you know, if you look at that, you know, allowing for some time spent in combinations, etc., not being moved around, you know, a 40, mid-40s average puts him firmly in the sort of elite centre category this year with Manu and, and Valentine Holmes. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, he's really a victim of his own versatility. As you say, he could be moved out to the centres where he'll be, you know, extremely up and down. Um, you know, his career average at centre is 35. Uh, Fantasy-wise, what we'd really like to see him is at lock because um, he played four games at lock last year, and two, including two 80-minute games for an average of 51 points. Mm. So, I mean, that's really what you want, but it seems like the least likely of all the positions to get him to play outside of maybe, you know, they've obviously got those two centres nailed on pending injury. But, um, yeah, no, he's, he's, seen, he's probably one of those ones where he's just too expensive to be, you know, jumping on early, but, you know, maybe one for later in the season for mine. Yeah, I he's certainly one of those guys where if if you could if you knew where he was, we could ascertain a value for him, right? Yeah, 100%. But, yeah, I, I've been struggling, like, especially for 600K, you could get him or you could find, what, 13 grand and, and get Val home so you know he's doing that and has that baseline goal kicking. Yep. So, because I know that Jackie Bird... Now, the good thing is, though, Mitch, Jack Bird's finally fit, actually fit, and not injured. Uh, and, and look, we talked about this a lot uh, over the last season. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact he's in a position that doesn't load up some of his previous injuries. And if they can keep him in the second row and out of the middle where he typically gets those injuries, so sort of 5'8 and uh, fullback where that he requires that lateral moving. And you will both remember he had that Achilles complaint when they did try to move him to lock, he'll continue to stay fit. Um, sometimes that can be a really effective player move. So I do think for Jack Bird that uh, fitness, as we spoke about last year, shouldn't be an issue ongoing. And if anything, as you sort of suggested, Stu, he should be better hmm. because last year was one of his best years injury-wise in his career, right? He played the most games out of any Dragons player. There you go. So, uh, 
true a few guys were dropped but yeah like he did well uh so yeah so definitely interested in jack burr but probably not to start with so let's let's kick on here mark uh you know let's let's have a look here francis molo is there is there any interest in francis molo or can we flick him yeah, no, definitely flick him. Uh, he did have a, a, a sort of an interesting season in 2020 where he put up a pretty high uh, average, uh, 39 points. But he had a 15% try scoring rate, which for a prop is something that's very unusual. Normally it's probably somewhere between 0 and 5%. Um, but, uh, yeah, outside of that, it's uh you know it's not very pretty and not to mention he's suspended and he's more than likely going to get suspended again because he's a silly silly boy <laughs> easy all right and zach lomax what, what are we thinking about him like a guy is an actual center decent center what are we thinking yeah he um he actually had a really interesting season last year so he put up a career high in tackle bus and offloads but also a career low in tries so in 2020 and 2021, he averaged about 7.9 points per game from try plays. So, you know, the try plus the line break plus the tackle bus or whatever, like there's an average sort of rate that players get. Um, whereas in 2022, it was only 2.9. So it was about five points per game less, but he actually put up his uh, career high fantasy points average. So interesting. If you look, even if he goes back to, you know, regular center numbers which is like a one in three try scoring rate um that'd see him go up to a like a 46 47 average which is definitely gun you know as we talk about with homes that gun keeper center you know base goal kicking uh range the, obviously the problem is you know what you spoke about earlier which is that um eels rabbitos storm in the three weeks of the head-to-head finals um but then in the grand final you pick up the warriors so yeah, could be okay Zach Lomax huh and but, unlike Holmes he likes to tackle so his baseline is a little better he's yeah. a natural he's a natural sender and the other thing I would also like to add is I think it's something Nick pointed out last season is they switched sides and uh, when he switched sides to where Ben Hunt was giving him ball he instantly picked up points towards the last uh, five to six rounds so I would assume that they're going to continue to do that because Talatau Moan was just killing him out there. And uh, somebody was saying, and I think this may have been used to, that that was part of the reason he was throwing all those ridiculous flick passes was because he didn't have much of a choice because he wasn't getting the sort of ball he needed to to run on. So it, it could be kind of like a David Fafita scenario. So he, Zach Lomax to me is borderline spicy. Like I've got him or Valentine Holmes at the, this point as players I'm probably going to put in centre. And, and the main reason I was resistive of Val Holmes in the last pod was I thought he was closer to being cashed out and he's not a natural centre. Fair enough. Look, he's... Yeah, look, he's definitely a guy we, we want to watch out with. I'm not sure I want him round one. If nothing no. else, they got the bias of 600 grand. They do have that soft run early, though. If he's going to score points, that's going to be there. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. But look, the... Yeah, he's certainly got to look at, but... ah. What, what do you think, Mark? Like 600 grand on the centre round one? Like, you're doing it with Val Holmes, aren't you? Uh, at the moment, I do not have Valentine Holmes. Um, but he's one that I've considered, definitely. Um, but I think if I was going to spend that money on a centre, it would be Holmes because they also have a soft schedule, plus the Cowboys are a better team. Plus, you know, Holmes averaged 
55 in the last 10 games of last year or something like that. So, you know, I think I just think he's got more run meter, attacking, try scoring, upside, goal kicking upside. Um, but in terms of pure centers, there's no doubt Zach Lomax is a, is a pure center. And, you know, probably would be a state of origin player if New South Wales could uh, actually pick that team properly. <laughs> Don't get me started, mate. Yeah, but you've already done this prior to the pod, mate. Don't get us cranky about state of origin yet. We're not there yet. Uh, what you get when you get a Queenslander on, mate? We just get state of origin. <laughs> anyway, we've lost Mark. <laughs> no, <just> <laughs> uh, all good. Okay, so Zach Lomax, we'll definitely put a chuck a star on him. Uh, let's have a look at the halves. Mitch, what are we thinking about Benny Hunt? Look, guys, uh, Benny Hunt, I, I don't even need stats for this one because nothing has really changed as far as I'm concerned. Ben Hunt has a near dally M year and lost value last year. The squad and coach are a problem, so you need to ask yourself three questions, same as we did for Anthony Milford. Uh, now Hunt has a contract, how hard can we expect him to have another Daly MS gear? Do we think Ben Hunt will do it again regardless of the contract? So just plain, do we think he can have another Daly MS gear? And is St. George better and able to get around him even if, you know, to this is, you know, the same player, uh, sorry, this St. George team is even worse than last year. So, like, do you think Ben Hunt can have another great year, irrespective of a contract? And do you think St. George is a better team? And the answer to both is no. So, I, I think Ben Hunt's unpickable. I, I got burned badly with Ben Hunt last year because I did think he would have a better year. And uh, as far as a player, he was brilliant, but... Fantasy, he was terrible, and St. George is a worse side. I, I, I you couldn't touch him. Uh, Jaden Sullivan, he's at 340k at a 21.1 average. This is just Taltal Moan with a different name. Hunt's going to drink all the milkshake on halves duty, so points are going to have to come for attack. And again, basically, the only reason you pick Sullivan is if you believe in this St. George team. And I'm a season ticket holder, and I can tell you right now, I do not believe in them, uh, and, and I just cannot justify picking him up unless Ben Hunt goes down with an injury or they move him to uh, number nine, which is what should happen instead of playing Liddell. But I can't see that being the case. No, fair enough. Mark, if you've got an interest, I know there's been a bit of interest in Jaden Sullivan. Any interest on your part there? I have absolutely no interest in Jaden Sullivan whatsoever. Uh, he's very telltale moan, Lachlan Ilias from me from last year. I managed to avoid both of them and I'll be happy to avoid this one again. Um, I did just want to lobby in a little Ben Hunt tidbit for you guys, though, seeing as we're here. Um, fun fact with Ben Hunt, uh, almost 100% of his decline in fantasy scoring last year as opposed to previous years was due to his tackle count. Missed tackles yeah. and less he was having a, He was having close to 10 a game. It was killing me. Yeah, no. So he his career average tackles is about like 19 to 20 tackles per game. Last year, he made 13 tackles per game. Don't ask me why or how. Um, he actually had a career best season in terms of kicking points from kicking uh, and a second career best season outside of 2021 in PVL ball in terms of attacking stats, total points from attacking stats. His try scoring rate was equal to or in line with most of his career um, he literally just stopped tackling for some reason. Like, and I was so confused about it. And I did an article on him halfway through last year. Cause I was like, what's going on with Ben Hunt? And his base stats are just created and it's all tackle count. Like 
We're 15, 16, 17 in those really good Broncos teams. He was 21, 22 tackles a game. 2022, 13. Don't know why. Um, but, yeah, his base stats went from 31, 32, 27, 23, 28, 27, 20 to 20. Like, you know, like it's it's just, yeah, it was, it was weird. Just having a look at that, I, I'm just looking at two things. One, the, the only things that changed around him were his outside halves. So, look at him. He played left side almost all of last year. Yeah. Uh, that would put him outside of, it would have been, what, Jack Bird and uh, Moses Suli at that point, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah. He uh, seemed to be rushing hard out of the line and uh, trying to lay hits on it. I think that's where a lot of the demerits were coming yeah. from. But yeah. I do wonder, as you say that, Mark, because part of the reason I kept him all of last year is because he passed the eye test, which to me is the greatest test mm. of all, is that I wonder if he was carrying some type of shoulder injury that we just don't know about that's affecting his tackling ability. It's not impossible. A lot of these guys carry injuries that we never, ever know about. And uh, as I just sit here, I just wonder if there's something a little bit odd that we don't know about, which continues to make him unpickable. But maybe we'll watch him the first couple of rounds. And if his tackling picks up, then maybe he's worth a look. But I just get so nervous with this dragon side because he was awesome last year. I think people underestimate how good he is. And I watched every game the full 80 so I, I do know and uh he was above and beyond the best player on the field every week for them hmm. yeah no i did a i did an interesting sort of look at him um he uh yeah he had something like his number of tackles where he made below like 15 tackles in the game was more times last year than his entire career to date previous or something like that yeah, it's either going like to be was, that or it's it a game weird. plan thing. It's, it's well, either I, going to be I, Yeah, I wondered if he was intentionally avoiding contact. Because um, he, like, he, he didn't make 20 tackles once last year, uh, and his average was 20 tackles in the years previous. Oof. Okay. Which is weird. Yeah. And just, he was still missing plenty. Just a nugget. Just a nugget. Yeah. A little nugget for you. Fair enough. Okay, well, look, we'll keep an eye on Ben Hunt, but for the moment, he's a bust. Uh, yeah, look, giant bust. Yeah. Look, I'll, I'll go with another bus here. So Jack DeBellin, 681K. He's actually the most expensive dragon at 681K. He seems to have lost a bit of a step, but he's still playing well. He was the eighth best middle for total points in 2022, simply to the fact that he doesn't play rep, didn't miss any games. The issue is, of course, is that he's just priced at value. He scores 48 points at lock and 47 at prop. So he's reliable. You know what you're getting, but there's better money out there. So just, just avoid Jack DeBellin. Uh, we might see a little bit of a decline or increase a couple of points, but we're not seeing a whole bunch to move him to keeper territory. It's just that tier below. But guys, we have to talk about one guy, Tyrell Sloan. 250k. He's got a 17 break even at wing fullback. Cody Ramsey's been confirmed out for the year, which means Tyrell Sloan will come into the starting side and quite possibly the backup uh, goal kicker as well. Uh, he averages 36.5 in the New South Wales Cup, which means that even if you take 10 points off that, he pretty much comes close to that 10 points worth of value that we want to see here. So for me, even in a bad team, there's a pretty easy buy here because most fullbacks can find you 20 points worth of base stats and at least a couple of attacking points. Like, you know, even if it's just an early run or something like that. Would you guys, any disagreement on trying to pick up Tyrell Sloan using as your round one loop option, Mitch? 
Uh, I'm a little bit concerned for the same reason I keep banging on about, but Tyrell Sloan is a genuine stud as far as his uh, ceiling, so it's hard not to pick him, but I am I am a little n bit nervous, like, you know, on the old P scale, I'm probably sitting at about a 4 out of 10. Easy. And I guess I guess for the price, the risk versus the price, like that's yeah, that's right. comfortable, right? That's why it's a 4 and not an 8. <laughs> Fair enough. Mark, are you, you staying with Tyrell Sloan? Yeah, mate, he's very, you know, Xavier Savage from last year. He's just, you know, the, you know, low base, high upside, but you can take a risk in the wing fullback position at this point in the year at that price. That's it. Look, yeah, if they did to him like they did last year, we started at 500, we wouldn't be having this discussion, but at 250. No. Correct. Yeah. yeah. All right, guys, look, that's pretty much the end of it. There is just not a lot of value here. We literally have one guy we want to get, Tyrell Sloan, and we have one guy we might want to get, which is Zach Lomax. Fair assessment? Yep. Yep. Easy. Perfect. All right. Well, let's get to the ladder, fellas. Uh, Mark, where do you see the Dragons ending up? Wooden Spoon. Ooh. Okay. Uh, interesting. Okay, Mitch, where do you see him coming, Mr. Season Ticket Holder? I got him 12th because I'm a season ticket holder and 17th is too hard to bear. <laughs> As a Panthers fan, mate, I can tell you there's a lot of bearing you can do. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we've won the last couple, but there's been a lot of bad years. There have been a lot of bad years. It's why it's why I don't begrudge you those these, these years, mate. That's it. And we know Phil's not going to come back, so, you know, I don't know when the party ends. And, uh, look, I've got them at 14th. I think, guys, we all have the miss in the eighth. Uh, but the answer is don't invest much money in these guys. Uh, and definitely don't invest too much money around one because they ain't playing. All right, let's move on. We've got the Knights. Uh, Mitch, do you want to take us through the team additions for the Knights, mate? Yep, not a problem at all. So for the Newcastle Knights, sorry, mate, I just lost my spot. We've got Adam Elliott, uh, Tyson Gamble, Jackson Hastings, Jack Hetherington, uh, Greg Marzu, and Lockie Miller. That's actually some pretty good additions. Not bad. Yeah, actually, it's it's not a bad pickup. Like I was, I was not high on them before, but uh, you know they, they they have got some nice guys. Uh, Mark, who have they lost? Uh, Mitch Barnett is off to the Warriors. Jake Clifford off to. Hull FC, along with Tex Hoy, David Clemmer to the Tigers, um, although they're keeping a large chunk of his salary. Uh, Edric Lee, uh, that's uh, Origin State of Hero, State of Origin Hero Edric Lee, sorry. He's off to the uh, the Dolphins, along with Anthony Milford. Gerard Mamasia is off to Parramatta. Uh, Chris Randall's been swapped to the Gold Coast Titans. Sami Solo signed with the Raiders, and Soaso Sue's off to the Hull Kingston Rovers. Interesting. I have actually heard really good things about Momosir in preseason. Like not just mm. like your puff piece, like genuinely good things. So interesting there. So guys, quick question for you. Uh, let's start with you, Mark, because you gave Mitch the first run last time. Mark, is this team better or worse than last year? Uh, I think they're more balanced. Um, I don't know if better is the right word, uh, but I think they've got... They've upgraded in the positions that they were bad at last year. So I, I suppose that technically makes it better. Although I think the uh, the front row department is a concern. Fair enough. Yeah, I'll... Yeah. Okay, we'll, we'll get to that in a second, yeah. Mitch, how about you? 
I'm just concerned, uh, Stu, and I, I'm just looking for your set top 17 here, which was I was trying to find, is who they've got in halves. Obviously, Caelan Pong is going to play 5-8. Who's, who's the halfback going to be, mate? Jackson Hastings. Yeah, okay, that's that's not great. Um, I, I'm concerned. I, I tend to agree with Mark that I don't think they're necessarily better. They've gotten rid of a few duds, uh, but those duds were more dud characters. So maybe, okay, they've improved in culture, but I don't know if they've improved with skill. Fair enough. Oh, look, they definitely improved with culture, bro. The, culture, uh, the culture's better. Clem like is a, lot, a lot of things, but he's not exactly a culture guy, is he? Well, and Barnett would be teaching the young fellas how to elbow <laughs> people in the throat. So, like, you know. I think you, poor Chris Smith, man. Imagine you you know that you're going to get, like, two games, right, each year. Like, coming in is, is one of those jobs. And the first one he gets, he just gets clocked. Oh, uh, it was that was bad. Jeez, it, he should have been sent to the shadow realm for that, really. Yeah. Oh, look, he did get one of the biggest suspensions for that one. At least, you, you know, he had to come out all contrite as well. But, yeah, I totally get your point. You do have to ask whether swapping Mitch Barnett for Jack Hetherington is an upgrade or a downgrade in the culture department. <laughs> I just saw that too. And what am I thinking? Yeah, that's a fair point. That's a very fair point. Least, I retract that statement. I'm retracting it. At least Jack Hetherington, you know it will be accidental. He won't elbow what? anyone in the head. He'll just happen to accidentally like swing a lazy arm and decapitate them. Except for is the it- poor chairs in the dressing room. <laughs> Mate, take Jeez, it out of the chairs. The, cha- the chairs don't sue you. You wouldn't want Desi and Hetherington on the same team. There'd be nothing left of the change room. <laughs> That's it, along with Michael Maguire. <laughs> anyway, uh, looking at this, I think they are good, uh, like better than they were. I think that you're right, though, Mark. Depth, depth is the issue. It's not the 17th man, although this, this 17 isn't great. It's the 18th, 19th, 20th. So that's that's what worries me. As soon as they get any injuries, it's going to be like last year where they're playing like, you know, Brody, Jones, you know, long 80 minutes a game, you're in trouble. All right, Mitch, injuries. We've got a few. What's doing? We do have a few. So let's kick off with the first one, Adam Elliott. So... He has osteitis pubis, which is the same injury, Stu, that I was hypothesizing that AJ Brimson uh, might be sort of recovering from and they're not really telling us. It's a tricky one to to come back from. He is slated to return round one. Um, What works in Elliot's favor, as opposed to Brimson, is he isn't required to move a lot laterally. So a lot of his points come from tackling and, and, you know, workmanlike points in fantasy. So... While there's mild cause for concern, because this isn't the first time we've heard of it, he has had the entire preseason, and I don't think his job in the team is going to load it up significantly. Certainly not in the way it would load it up for AJ Brimson, who is dynamic, laterally moving, high top speed. Um, I wouldn't pick him out the gate because it really is an annoying injury to have, but I'm a lot less concerned about Adam than I say would be about AJ. Uh, Jack Hetherington, so shoulder. He's back for the preseason. He's coming off a lot of Jay. I'd say uh, he'll be pretty good. It's a super effective surgery these days. Low recurrence. Um, main concern is he's all about tackling, sometimes a bit too hard. Um, with this in mind, you know, Jack isn't big on self-preservation. So while the lot should affect his ability to tackle early on, I think with Jack's mentality... He probably will come out pretty close to normal Jack round one, um, and and with the low low reoccurrence of of the, you know, injury to the shoulder, 
he seems pretty low risk. Like if you wanted to roll with him round one, if that was what you wanted for your team, I wouldn't have a huge problem from an injury perspective. Uh, okay, this is a big one. I might actually come back to that. Leo Thompson, so hamstring, uh, he's back for the preseason. He doesn't have a major history of these injuries and he's not built for speed, so no major concern. Leo him. Thompson isn't built for speed at all. He's possibly the slowest man I've ever seen. That, that's, so, so, you know, it, 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 it's it's not the biggest issue for him and he doesn't play the big minutes either, so fatigue's not going to be a, be a major problem. Uh, speaking of uh, possible concerns for reoccurrence of the larger day, Lachlan Fitzgibbon. So, Stu, I was sort of asking if you'd found anything. We couldn't really, but basically Fitzgibbon's been listed for what we assume is the same shoulder injury um, that he had shoulder stabilisation surgery on last year. Now, when that does happen, guys, that is a major concern because... If you're still having shoulder instability after a large there's not a huge amount that can be done. And I, I have seen this to be career ending. So hopefully that's not the case and it's the other shoulder or it's a bit of a rotator cuff niggle. But if you're looking at Lachlan Fitzgibbon, I, I probably would be very reluctant to, to touch him from that sort of uh, point of view. The final one is Kalen Ponga. So he's gone down with another bloody injury. So he's got a calf strain. Now, the calf strain isn't by itself a massive concern, but... It just reiterates how big an injury magnet Kalen Ponger is. And I don't know if this is likely to to change. The big thing with, with Kalen is he's a concussion magnet. And I think I'm speaking about him in a second as far as picking him. I am, and I'll get into it a bit more. But the, the calf injury isn't an issue. But the fact he's having ongoing injuries one after the other, he's had the right labral tear. He's had the... Uh, the calf now he's had multiple concussions he's had knee issues that have required arthroscopes i'm starting to get to the point with kalen where he's in tommy turbo territory where i just don't feel like he, he's worth a look so that's the injury rap sheet we might talk about kalen ponga in a little bit when we come to the sort of boom or bust segment excellent uh look i, I might just just quickly run the strength of schedule so uh i'm not a big fan of the night's schedule here so they've got buyers in round 10 uh, round 14, post-Origin 1, and round 19, which is the major buy. The good thing about, however, is that their schedule is the third easiest overall. And the reason why that is that it never gets particularly hard. So if you look at the f opening rounds, Warriors, Tigers, Dolphins, Raiders, Seagulls, and then the Warriors again. So, guys, I guess we're seeing what possibly a tough game against... Like, the Raiders should be decent. The Tigers could be decent. But if we're not high on the Seagulls, the Knights the Knights should have an okay run. Hopefully 3-3, three and three, right? Uh, yeah, I, I can see them maybe even, you know, 4-2 four, four and two and, and challenging the Tigers. Yeah, that's it. Like, you'd be hoping for, like, yeah, 3-3, three 4-2 three, could, could be good there. That might That'd be, be the absolute upside. That's true. They could give the Seagulls a run, depending on how bad they are early. But yes, get, get your point. Uh, but then they got a tough run to the round 10 bye. So the round 7 Panthers, round 8 Cowboys, round 9 Eels, and round 10, they have the bye. So, and but and they said, uh, Nick did his great analysis here. He's found that they copped the good teams during the origin period. So they got the Seagulls round 13, uh, Roosters round 16, Panthers round 17 after Origin 2 when all of their guys will be rested and round 19 they have the bye so and then they finish really early so they finish round 19 run home of the Bulldogs Rabbitohs Sharks and Dragons 
So round 26 head-to-head finals against the Sharks, maybe not the best. And I don't know about round 27. It could be that they're both playing New South Wales Cup sides, these two. So, uh, yeah, basically they they avoid a lot of the tough teams twice. Uh, they avoid the Panthers at full strength at least once. And they've got no other top four teams twice. So they're doing well. Uh, Mark, take us through the Knights predicted lineup, mate. And to just uh, to tell us if you've got any changes. Um, yeah, so obviously Lockie Miller more than likely going to line up in the number one jersey after signing there uh, as of the other day. We've got uh, Greg Marju and Dom Young going to be out on the wings there with Dan Gagai, Bradman Best in the centres all looking pretty as per program. Caelan Ponga and Jackson Hastings in the halves until Ponga breaks down with injury inevitably. Uh, we, then the Jaden Braley is going to be at nine. Tyson Frizzell and Jack Hetherington on the edge. That's an interesting one, but actually, I actually like that. And then Jacob Saifidi, Daniel Saifidi and Adam Elliott in the middle. With Kurt Mann, Leo Thompson, Matt Croker, and Brody Jones off the bench. Uh, interesting to see no Lachlan Fitzgibbon named. Oh, I, uh, I was just coming off that shoulder injury. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure where he's at. He could be playing that edge. Yeah, I mean, like, if we're being honest, uh, Lachlan Fitzgibbon is barely an NRL player, let alone, you know, a round one top 13 player. So I, I don't mind this lineup, if I'm being honest. Mm. Yeah. Well, look, let's. Let's talk through a couple of guys. Uh, how about how about we start off with with some of this interesting? So, Mitch, I know I gave you Kalen Ponga, mate. What are we thinking about him? He was in I know he was in my first team that I drew up, right? Along with Turbo, it was all risk. But what wow. what, are, what are you thinking on Kalen Ponga? Talk about going to the casino, dude. Uh, 532k and an average of 39.1 year, uh, last season, which as we would all agree, wasn't his best. Even if he thought Kalen could be the real deal at 5'8", I just feel like he's too much of a risk and liability uh, in the position he's in. Now, I understand that they've moved into 5'8 to help with the injury risk, but he's going to be copying people running it into the line all day. So tackling is actually going to go up. Uh, and, and from a concussion point of view, I actually think that potentially makes him a higher risk, particularly given that as a fullback, he generally doesn't have to do much. So there'll be question marks on his ability to tackle, period. Not to mention we know he's had uh, shoulder issues in the past. The other thing about Caelan moving to 5'8 is you've got to be sure that Newcastle is going to be a good enough team where he's going to be able to flourish in the role. Now, I think Jackson Hastings is actually not a bad pairing for him. But I just don't see enough in this Newcastle team. To add to that, as far as his points go, he's probably going to have a reduction in run meters. And I feel like he's unlikely to make up for it in kick meters. I would be surprised if Jackson Hastings didn't do the majority of the kicking. Sort of like he did uh, for a period there with a Tiger Stew before he was injured. Mm-hmm. Hastings tended to take uh, point with a lot of the halves duties. I get that in fantasy you need to take some risks. And I have throughout the first few podcasts been pretty risk adverse. I just look at Kalen Ponga's list of injuries and his ability to get through week to week. I, I just I just don't love it. And I, I actually am concerned for his longevity moving forward. He he really should have waived that million dollar contract and gone up to play with Wayne Bennett because I think under his sort of mentorship he probably would have done pretty well. But at Newcastle I think they're just gonna run him into the ground to be honest. Hmm. Interesting. So yeah, because I, I know a lot of people on Kalen Ponga. Mark, could you make any argument for wanting Kalen Ponga in your round one team? 
the short version of the answer is no. Um, I did a little bit of a look at Ponga pretty early in the preseason and tried to have a think about some fullbacks that have moved to 5'8 and who, you know, and the people that are in the same talent bracket and not Darren Lockyer. Um, mm. And, you know, there's a couple of names that come up with. Jack Whiten was one. Uh, Cody Walker was another. Adam Dewey was another. And Jerome Hughes was the fourth. Um, looking at these guys how they play at 5'8", um, or in the halves, I should say, given the role that we expect Ponga to play, um, I think more than likely he's landing in the Walker-Whiten bracket than the Jerome Hughes-Adam Dewey bracket. Um, with his level of kick meters, that probably puts him in the low 40s, which is sort of not, not the value that we're looking for. However, uh, if he picks up the goal kicking, which Barry Tui seems to think he's going to, oh. uh, that that completely changes the equation. Well, low forties goes to fifty. High forties, yeah, and becomes he becomes a like a you know a, not quite a must, uh, but definitely a buy. Interesting. So a buy with risk. So you just wouldn't want too yeah. many guys like him. Yeah. Well, you, the thing with him is you know the buy schedule is nice in terms of that he's probably a odds on favorite to play origin but not a moral uh particularly now like his position is fullback so if he's not playing fullback particularly if brimson is playing fullback and and does well given what we saw from brimson he may just not be in state of origin uh which would be you know shocking but probably a good thing for queensland so yeah, I don't. I just I don't know how it's all going to shake out. But if he's kicking goals in the preseason and and you know has that round one schedule and you know etc cetera, etc, cetera, I could I could see a way that I'd be getting him in my team if he's kicking goals. Mitch, would your interest change if you got a possibly goal kicking fifty point Kalen Ponga? Yeah, but I wouldn't be happy about it. I think that's how most of us would be feeling about picking him up at that point, wouldn't we? Yeah, okay. I just don't love it, and it's probably for the same reasons uh, Mark doesn't. It's like I hope he doesn't get that job because then I have to seriously consider getting him, and I don't want to because from my physio perspective, I don't love it. I do not like it, and that that rate of concussion and the way he's going down, it's that real Boyd Cordner esque thing. In fact, Stu, I don't think you could convince me to do it. I suppose if I saw that forty or fifty percent of the fantasy cohort got on him, I'd be forced to. But if it was somewhere between 15 and 20, I don't think he could, could convince me. Fair enough. Look, let, let's flip to the other half here. Mark, Jackson Hastings. Yeah, so obviously this would be based on Jackson Hastings being the goal kicker. Uh, there was five games last year where he played as the dominant half prior to injury uh, for the Tigers where he averaged 59 points. Uh, he's currently priced at, you know, about was it 45 or something like that so that just makes him a uh, a screaming by assuming that he's the goal kicker uh, we assume he's going to do the the vast majority of the kicking touch the ball 85 times a game and be an absolute fantasy weapon no state of origin available for the first buy round he's a slam dunk if he's goal kicking um if he's not goal kicking he probably drops to an interesting buy but not necessarily not a buy at that point Fair enough. Okay, so really we've got to watch on the preseason because I know that Jackson Hastings has been like a round one lock for me. I think I was one of the first guys to really be on him last year and then I forgot to buy him. Well, I didn't forget to buy him. I just had other no, problems at the time. That's not how that went. Yeah, you I decided know. not to. 
I decided not to because I had bigger problems and I said I was and then I paid for it because I missed for the whole podcast all those people listening I know all two of them but on the on the plus side those two people if they got on they got some very good points from him so (laughs) it's not like sometimes where you you say get on and then you don't get on and he does poorly and you're like oh it sucks to be you guys I missed out on some good uh, good score that week so yeah look I want to get on Jackson Hastings the goal kicking would be amazing uh, lack of goal kicking, I wouldn't love it. But he still did pretty well even when Brooksy was kicking goals, or do he? I thought he looked the goods as far as the eye test. He showed a great ability to lead a side around, and I think he'll have a better time of leading leading the Knights around, particularly now that he's proven he can do it. And, you know, he had that, uh, I think it was a syndesmosis injury last year or something to that effect. That, that, that's a Nerve fairly low... damage in his foot. Ugh. Yeah, his, his kick meters just went through the floor. Um, and then he moved to lock. But before that, he was a jet. Mm. And they won't do that to him in this team. This team can't nah. cut him. They just traded Clem for him. He's supposed to be the yeah. man. Joey Johns has put his stamp on him. I, 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 I would be much more inclined to go Jackson Hastings over um, Caleb Ponga, just from a risk point of view. We, we, Ponga is such an unknown quantity. Yeah, and you couldn't do both, I don't think. You wouldn't because you drink out of the same milkshake that's yeah. it but plus also Lockie Miller who obviously we're going to speak about that's well look let's go to Lockie Miller real quick so look our samples unfortunately real small for Lockie but look the dude's a gun he's played rugby sevens and I don't know about you guys I really like what I've seen from Miller when we were watching the Sharkies yeah yeah I thought he but, I was thought he looked pretty good hmm. so he was averaging 49 at fullback for the Sharks and it's a good mix of base and attacking meters and stats he really loves broken play. Like that sevens background really shows there. So where the sides, look, a couple of good sides, he won't score well if they do their homework and they kick to the corners and rush down and pen him in. But anyone who gives him ball in the middle of the field, he'll have a great time with. I love so, the tackle bust. Hmm. That's it. Yeah, he really loves that jink, doesn't he? And so he's. they've got a really soft draw. I reckon we could see Miller spike early and you can switch to a safer guy on a safer team. Like, he's one of those guys who, like, once they get to the Panthers or so around seven, I reckon I might be pulling the eject button if he's made some decent cash by that time. Maybe round eight. Like, if his break even still pretty good. So, I can project to near 40, which is 10 points, and entirely achievable by fast, skillful fullback who didn't just do his ACL. Yeah. <laughs> well, M- M- Miller to Turbo could be the play in about round nine. Ooh. That actually could be a good game. Though, although then he goes off to play Origin Turbo, so you'd have to wear him for the rest of the year. Yeah. Oh, that's right. they got a pretty good buy schedule anyway. So. That's true. All right. Uh, let's let's move on here. Uh, Mitch, one more guy I'm interested in. Jaden Braley. Yep. So 695K, 48.6 average for Jaden. I thought he did incredibly well to be back uh, last season and really didn't look to be too far off some of his better play by the end of the season. And coming off Achilles' injury at the start of the year, that's that's bloody remarkable. And it, it's a testament to how they're doing that surgery these days. Um, we know he is capable of averaging 60 points and he doesn't rely on attacking stats. Probably not a bad thing if you're a fantasy player on the Knights. Not particularly concerned about his injury history. Uh, I just think it might have been one of those things where he pushed it a little bit hard and it went and it was early on in the season and just sometimes those things happen. Uh, he's an interesting pick against 
Reed Marnie, and he's only 45k more. So if you're a little bit nervous about Marnie and you don't want to pay for uh, um, Robson, Jaden Braley's an interesting pick because we know he's a tackling machine and he's on a team that might have to do a bit. It's true. Mark, your thoughts about Jaden Braley? Yeah, he's a little bit like vanilla ice cream for me. I love vanilla ice cream. Yeah, oh, it's the most popular ice cream on the planet, mate. Nothing negative about it. It's just, you know, it's, you know, round one, I don't really want to be starting with vanilla ice cream uh, unless, of course, I've got heaps of sprinkles So, or ch- and chocolate sauce. So, I mean, if you decide you want to go for, you know, safe, safe and, you know, someone in that price range, I mean, he's probably the best one in that price bracket in the hooker position. I'd certainly be looking for Braley over the types of, you know, your Appy Coruscant and that sort of thing. Reed Marnie, mm. I'd absolutely take Jaden Braley every day of the week over Reed Marnie. Um, but, yeah, I just think in that particular position, I'm looking at, a, you know, Brandon Smith, Aaron Clark, or a Reese Robson. I'm not sort of interested in shopping in that price range yeah. for a guy. Yep. W- would you consider him, though, I reckon he's probably about four or five on the draft list, though. Oh, yeah, he, I'm pretty sure in the draft ranking that we are about to publish in the next couple of days on our NRL Fantasy Amateurs website, I think he's four. Yep. That sounds about right there. So somewhere between him and Cheese. So it's around there. Mm, yeah, Cheese might be four, actually. Yeah, easy. Yeah, look, it's about... If we're talking the same numbers, it doesn't really matter, right? So, excellent. Well, look, you, you've got to spice it because his ownership's so low, Mitch. And so, look, he's, he's certainly good. I'm not sure that... I, you know, if I had to find 80 grand to downgrade from Robson, Rayleigh definitely looks better and I would definitely get him over Reed, especially just due to the fact that I, I get a feeling that New Brown is going to be, or is is going to be the um, utility. Now, of course, oh, sorry, the other news that did come out today is that uh, the grub of Canterbury is back and he has been signed to a top 30 contract. Ooh. So with that in mind, he could actually play that utility role. Yeah, or halfback. <laughs> would would the Bulldogs be? Would Burton be like the must-have of the season? If if you know these guys were playing halfback. No, I don't know if it'd change anything for Burton. I just I'd love to see it from a culture perspective and for a you know from everything the Bulldogs have lacked since James Graham left. Uh, he uh, you know he'd bring that. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, okay, look, looking, moving on here. Uh, who else have we got in the spicy lifts? Mark, you've got one guy here I wasn't expecting to see. Uh, who is in my spicy? Oh, Tyson Frizzell. Oh, mate, you, where did you think he was going to be in the gun category? I wasn't sure where Tyson Frizzell was going to end up because last year, I know I, I don't want to go too hard into it. You did say get on. He then wasn't very good. Well, so, and I, I guess you, with our resident uh, injury expert, that's not me in, in the podcast, we can probably talk about this. So Tyson Frizzell obviously had a rib cartilage injury last year. Uh, scale of 1 to 10, how much is that going to impact somebody in a contact sport, Mr. Physio? A lot. Eight, a lot. Eight, eight. <laughs> Someone who plays like Tyson, a lot. High. Because, because he runs hard and fast. And you know what? The harder you run and the faster you run, the more it's going to hurt when someone tackles you. So yeah, it would have been a big number. Yeah. So um, just keeping an interest here. So 2020, obviously Tyson Frizzell had his big breakout year from a fantasy perspective. 
Went from averaging in the mid-40s to the mid-50s, averaging 53.55. Score adjusted for current scoring in games where he played at least 71 minutes. Increased that up to 56.8, almost 56.9 in 2021. Um, but interestingly, still averaged 53.5 last year in games where he played at least 71 minutes. Huh. So his scoring was almost identical between 2020 and 2022, where everybody was really happy in 2020, and then 2021 he went up again, and we're all disappointed because of those couple of injury games where he took a knock to the ribs and had to go off early. But outside of that, he was still an elite performer. So uh, he... Like Ryan, my one of my co-hosts, is absolutely foaming at the mouth of Frizzell this year. I'm less... He's not in my team at the moment, only because I've got Miller and Hastings, and I don't want to be overcommitted, and there's so many good edges at the moment. But, I mean, if I if I find myself come TLT with 100k I don't know how to spend, I can absolutely see myself going from a Sean Johnson up to a Tyson Frizzell and locking in a season-long keeper and the guy who we have listed as our number four overall edge for this year. Can I can I do you a favor, Mark? Yeah, get get Sean Johnson out of the team. I've beaten Love Nick, it, mate. I've beaten Nick three consecutive seasons because he had Sean Johnson in his team. No, there's nothing that's where, you that's can where, say. That's good there's nothing you can say. I, I I'm just I'm trying to help you right now. I'm telling you, <laughs> don't pick him. He, he's I, he's, got, he's, he's got very good advice for yeah. Okay. Anyway, we'll leave all that alone. Uh but yeah, fair enough. Well, look, let, let, let's talk about a guy that also shouldn't be in your team, Mark, right? Adam Elliott, you think that he shouldn't be in everyone's team and he's in a lot of teams. What's doing? Okay, so I have mixed feelings on Adam Elliott and I've put him in the bust category because I needed to commit one way or another to Adam Elliott because I wrote my write-up on him in the bust category and then moved him to my team five minutes later. <laughs> uh, I don't know why I did it. Um, but I've reconsidered. Because he's six hundred k and he's safe I've in the TPG. That's why you I've did done. It. I've done a sanity check on myself, and I've actually decided to avoid that entire Brack price bracket of mids. Uh, so last year, uh, I did a little bit of a look. It's related. It's you know, it's got some nice implications for Tarpany as well. But I went back and had a look at all the games where you know the Raiders brought Wolford in and played Starling, and between them they played eighty minutes. So Adam Elliott was exclusively playing in the middle of the field. Uh, in that time, he averaged 48.7 in 53.9 minutes. Uh, so he's moving to a team with an 80-minute hooker, two 80-minute edges, Daniel Saifidi, Jacob Saifidi, Kurt Mann, and what's more than likely going to be a three-forward bench plus man playing middle and covering if there's injuries. I think that Elliot is going to land in a 50- to 55-minute role and not a 60- to 60-something-minute role. And at 55 minutes, he's a high 40s average, and he comes in priced at 43, uh, which makes him a, a bust. So if you wanted to make an argument pro Adam Elliott, it's that David Klemmer played 60.9 minutes last year, and Adam Elliott averaged 50.4 in games where he played at least 45 minutes. So there was one game there where he played like 35 minutes or something like that. So, you know, if you don't believe that's the case, then, you know, it might be 51, 52 in 60 minutes, assuming he takes every bit of Clemmer's minutes. But, you know, I think there's, you know, man spent a lot of time covering for injuries last year, which he probably will again with Ponga in the team. But, you know, thinking, <laughs> thinking normally... 
Um, you know, Frizzell also went off early a bunch of times, which caused, you know, Clement to play a bunch of extra minutes. Um, I think I think he's going to disappoint a lot of people in a worse team than last year um, because it, he actually had a surprisingly low base. Everyone go, bangs on about how he had a high base. His base was only 42 in those 58-minute games, um, and he had 14 points of attacking stats in there, which I just don't think he's going to get in this Knights team because the entire ball is going to be Ponga and Miller. So, yeah, um, the more I talk about him, the more I think he's a trap. Mitch, what are your thoughts on uh, Adam Elliott? Are you interested in him? No, not at all. Love yeah, that. I don't, like, I don't like the pubic symptom injury, and now I've been convinced further. I'm out. Excellent. And look, I, I must say, he was in my very first revision, and since then he's been in and out, and he's been out more than he's been in. So, yeah, I, th- I think I've crossed the line there. Bust. Uh, which will disappoint some people at home. But look, there's better buyers out there. Uh, just like to see us giving correct advice out, guys. Good job. <laughs> it's, it's nice when you all agree. Because uh, it, make, it makes me feel a little bit more confident. You know, when you think you're taking a risk here, and it's like, no, no, some other people have thought it through too. You're not going crazy. Uh, speaking of guys I might be going crazy on, Daniel Saifidi. So middles are a shocker this year. Would you all agree that middles are like the worst position to try and find a guy with? Uh, no, yeah. I'd, say, I'd say center. Okay. Yeah, there's, there's definitely a few challenging positions, but but uh, middle is one of them for sure. Yeah, fair enough. I guess I compare it to the edges where, like, you know, I've got guys coming out for days, right? Yes. So, okay. So, Daniel Safedi, uh, I've been struggling with my middles real hard. It's hard to find a good mid-range guy, and Daniel Safedi could be it. So, he struggled with multiple knee injuries across 2022, but kept on playing even though he was busted because there was just no one left at the Knights, right? They were, do you remember at this, like a certain point, Fitzgibbon was injured, Brody Croft was injured, like everyone, they, they just, they were trying to loan players in because they could not find an outside back, right? They were playing Jari Momosia, uh, and, oh, who was that terrible fella from that team that we all got on because he was 230K? Alan Ponger. <laughs> no. no. Uh, Leo Brady, Thompson. Brody, Brody Jones or Leo Thompson? No, Both Leo Thompson. Yeah, yeah, we got got on Leo Thompson and Brody Jones at some point, right? It was just uh, tough times down there if they're playing these guys. But anyway, Saifidi was not himself. And so to show you the issues he's having in 2022, he had a 10-drop point in performance for games above 50 minutes. So he went from 50 points to 40.9. And what's more, 2021 wasn't a fluke. It wasn't Valandi's ball because he performed similarly well in 2020. He averaged 59.9 in games over 50 minutes in 2020. So there's a lot of tries in that. Um, you know, 23% try scoring rate for a prop is is really high in 2020. It, but, I, you know... I, it, it certainly is, which means we can cut probably about 10 points off that 59 average, right? But that still takes him down to about a 50. Yeah. I mean, if you look at his... And this probably leads into what you're saying about the knee injury. If you look at his 2020 and 2021... Just just in games, like not not isolating out any like reduced minute games at all, right? His average in twenty twenty was forty eight with forty two point nine in base. And then in twenty twenty one it was forty six with forty two point nine in base. So the only difference there was the try scoring, which was higher in twenty 2020 twenty to twenty twenty one, but still pretty high. But I mean he's had fourteen percent or higher three seasons out of the last four before twenty twenty. So 
2022, I mean. So it's not unreasonable to have him up there. But then in 2022, his base dropped from 42.9 to 37.3. Yeah. So that's a 5.6 drop in base. Uh, and then his attack went down from 10 points a game and 8 points a game to 5.8 points a game. So that's that's your difference there. And, I mean, last year, Ryan and I were banging on about Junior Paulo, me in particular, and I was really hot on Junior Paulo. Um, but his inflated was almost exclusively in attacking stats and his base actually hadn't changed and we just you know assumed that it was going to go straight from 2021 to 2022, which wasn't the case. But this is, you know, six points of this is in base. Hmm. That's it. And I, I get a feeling like Mitch, like once you get those like MCL strains, you know, you miss a couple of weeks, you come back early, you're not quite yourself, are you? No, that's exactly right. And and most of the boys are doing that. They're all sort of, you know, if either of you came into the clinic, you wouldn't be coming out quite as quickly as these guys do because they're usually, you know, 85, 90% of the way there. And the way it typically works is they're sat down and they sort of go, what are the odds of this guy getting injured versus the odds of us winning? And usually the decision is made, well, if it's pretty low, they'll, they'll, they'll take the risk. So usually they're not, they're not quite there. That's it. So look, he looked undercooked for a lot of the seasons. He was dropped for origin for his brother. He was dropped off the starting team for his brother just due to the fact that he just couldn't play the minutes and he couldn't, uh, he just, he wasn't fit, right? And it wasn't due to his training. It was just due to the fact that he was busted, right? And so you look at a guy here who is now, he's now the franchise forward with his twin brother. He'll be playing big minutes. If you look at this bench, right? Guys, Kurt Mann, Leo Thompson, Matt Croker, Brody Jones. Maybe substitute Jack Hetherington there. So I mean, like, like, we really we're not talking about premier guys, are we? So I guess no, the, not at all. The, the narrative I got for Daniel Safedi is that you got the guys, the franchise back. Uh, sorry, sorry, the franchise prop in the side. Uh, I'm expecting a little, a few bigger minutes and a definitely a bigger output for Safedi. The only limitation I can see there is how good the ball he was getting will be, and it surely it's got to be better than what he was getting from Clifford or Milford or who else was there last year. Adam Clune, he's got to be getting better ball for them from those guys. Plus, he'll be getting better ball from uh, a finally fits uh, number nine, Jaden Braley. So, look, yeah. I, I've got him as a spicy pick. I would have him over Adam Elliott, and I reckon he's probably the best value out of those mid-range mids. So, you know, those guys between about five hundred grand and maybe six fifty. I reckon he's by far the best choice. Yeah, uh, uh, for me, it's it's him or uh, Corey Horsburgh as the two, depending yeah. on what the bench looks like for the Raiders. But no, you, I do, like I, I do have an interest sticky, in him, bro. That, that's yeah, that's well, the only difference is he got sticky and he could always shuffle. Who are yeah. they getting rid of Daniel Saifidi for? Who? No, well, nobody. That's the point. Yeah, no, he is he's he's safer. The question is whether twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one was just the result of PVL ball. Or whether he just, you know, had a down year last year and he's going to go back to what he was doing before. Fair enough. Mitch, what are your thoughts, Daniel Sofidi? Any interest? Uh, in the plays we've gone through in the mid so far, I'm the most interested in him. Like, you know, you look at TPJ, who'd be another one. We sort of spoke about him and how his minutes are going to be affected by what we suspect is going to be like a 50 to 55-minute rotation with the Bulldogs. Sofidi's PPM is probably a bit better than that, so... I am mildly interested. Fair enough. And look, just quickly on TPJ, I was having a think today, right? We definitely have Kikau on that left edge, right? 
uh, unless yes. something crazy happens there and they lose their minds. So on one side, you've got uh, Burton, Kikau, uh, probably Braden Burns, and Josh Adokar, who's a much taller man than I thought. But anyway, the second one is on the other That's side. That's gross, by the way. Yeah. On the other side, you have Kyle Flanagan. Ugh. Uh, you have uh, you have maybe TPJ, right? If he's playing that edge. Uh, then you have Jacob Carraz. Oh, oh so, so, sorry. No, you have J- uh, Avarillo yeah. and then Carraz. Yeah. Which side are you going, Gefellitz? Who do you think's demanding that ball? Who do you think the coach is telling to give the ball to? 90% of the time, that ball's going left. Yeah, but doesn't that mean that the defense is going to be sliding that way because they know that that's going to happen? And you imagine trying to take on TPJ one-on-one with any defender in the NRL? Depends which TPJ shows up. Well, mate, haven't you seen his... He, didn't he say if he, if he comes in under 110 kilo, over 110 kilos, they can fire him? He's looking good. He's looking fit, mate. If he's on that right edge, I'll 100%. I'll be so deep inside TPJ, it's not funny. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, Mark? I was thinking before, mate, I'm thinking we're not getting the real, like, uh, filthy oil from you that we'd normally get from Nick. And then, you know what, mate? You've just come through there. Yeah. Oh, mate. Yeah. There's, there's only so moist a man can be, and that would be a 10 out of 10 on the moistness scale if he's on that right edge. I think they need, I think they need it. But uh, uh, the the mail that we we seem to be getting on Pangaeus is going to be playing lock, so that that makes it harder. Given you know what depends on what the bench looks like. If it's Alamotti and Pele, that'll still be wheels up. But you know it's probably one for another podcast. That's it. Yes, especially if it's uh, yeah, yeah, if it's Sutton and friggin' RF. Yeah, yeah, harder time. All good. Uh, let's so anyway so look uh, Daniel Saifidi's definitely been the guy that's in and out of my side uh, just take a look at him if nothing else he does fix a huge problem that we've got where we've often got a guy like Brandon Smith and then we've got a guy maybe uh, Haas or maybe Tarpanay or someone and then we're like and who right Daniel Saifidi seems to be fitting the bill though I'm probably going to find up a better way of selling him than well who else are you going to get <laughs> Anyway, guys, let's have a look at the Knights this year. Like, is there anyone that I missed there? Have we talked through everyone? I think so. Yeah, we have. Yep, I was yep. just looking through there. Oh, look, I'll say rip to Bradman Best and hopefully he actually gets fit this year because he could be a proper top 10 centre, but until he actually can play five games in a row. Yes. Same with Dan Gagai. If he ever shows up for Newcastle like he did for Queensland, it might be worth the money they're paying him. Excuse me? <laughs> he did last year. He turned Don't up you to... speak about State of Origin hero Dane Gagai like that, mate? <laughs> State of Origin Jane Gagai is going to get trucked this year, mate. Anyway, he's, he, if he plays anything like he did for Newcastle, he's he's done, cooked. Mm. Uh, no, he had a surprisingly good season in his average last year. Better than what you'd think in the games that he didn't get injured. Uh, yeah, that's true. He, got, he did get busted a few times, didn't he? Yeah, well, he averaged 41.4 in games he didn't get injured last year. Yeah, and he came through for a 39, which was good. That was also blown out by the fact that they started so hot last year. He was uh, he was like 750 grand game. Oh, yeah, well, it's because he was so good. Because he was so good in 2021, mate. He was just an absolute weapon in 2021. Average of 46. So Well, uh, he yeah, was playing on the best a... left edge in the comp at that point, though. He was getting yeah, a good ball correct. from Latrell and Cody. Yeah, correct. 52.9% try rate compared to 27 <laughs> in 2022. 
There you go. That's why you're getting get the food, getting fed every game. Yeah, hundred percent. Anyway, that, that's that's why we're uh, why we're not talking too much about him. So look, let, let's wrap up with the very last part. Get us finished on time. So, having a look at this, how do we think that they were they're going to end up? Mark, how do you think the Knights are going to finish? Um, they're bottom four side. Uh, I think so. I've got them in fifteenth. I I just it's more the fact that um, that there's lots of teams that are better than them than I think this is a particularly bad team. Uh, I think they're gonna they're gonna be one of those teams that beats teams that they shouldn't, but but loses some games that they should win. Fair enough, Mitch. You got them as a wooden spooners. Fair enough. I've got them as twelfth, though. I must say, oh. in my mind, no, wow. I, I'm high on Jackson Hastings. He's a very good halfback and a good controlling guy. So I reckon that he'll do better than some of the... Some sides just are not rolling around with that this year. Guys who can play, manage the game. The, where I think that you might come right, Mitch, is that depth issue. Where if you look beyond... You start scratching the surface of this top 30 and you just do not see much there at all. So unless they have a year like the Cowboys where they only cop two injuries, like... I, if they I, lose Daniel Saifidi or... Adam Elliott, they're in big trouble. That's it, because then you, then your utility and suddenly you're playing Phoenix Crosland. So and and it's more. <laughs> yeah. it, well, well, look, even Phoenix Crosland, but imagine two, right? Imagine if you lose him and you lose uh, you lose both brothers, right? Yeah. What yeah. happens then? I mean, even they've, a, they've actually got a pretty good coverage in the like spine, you know, sort of area with, you know, Tyson Gamble. I think is an NRL. Not a good NRL half, but he's in the top. He's Josh Reynolds in the NRL. Yeah, yeah. He's he, you know, he's a he's a good one. He'll he'll do a job for somebody. Um, but yeah, is no, he still he's there? not. He's gone. I think. Excellent. Uh, so yeah, we'll look. No, no, so, I lie. He's not gone. But yeah, he'll be in reserve grade. So, so yeah, they've got guys there, but yeah, it's that depth. Yeah, it's that depth issue, especially around those middles, that really yeah. concerns me. So. But look, uh, actually, there is one guy we really need to quickly chat about, Jack Hetherington. Simply due to the fact that if he starts on the edge, he's 362K, he's a DPP, and he's a starting player. Uh, I had a look. He's got a very small sample size, really, really, really small sample size, uh, playing on an edge. Uh, we're looking at games where he doesn't get injured and walk off. His average is 37.4. And if he plays uh, an 80-minute edge game, his average is 47. There you go. So three, three games on the edge, 45, 46, 50. So having a look at that, and well, yeah, he got a 1970 minutes versus the Cowboys round one last yeah. year. Oh, that I think that's probably, did he get spent? Uh, like, I did, he got bid. <laughs> that's where he played oh, 70. Eight. Yeah, and actually against the Seagulls, 70 minutes too, because he got bid. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. why 70 exactly? Oh, he got bid. Yeah. So it's not that, a HIA, that's a binning. <laughs> excellent. So, yeah, 11 negatives. So, yeah, you look at him. Would you be... I'm kind of interested in Jack Hellington for my bench at that point, guys. How about you? Yeah, if he plays on the edge, he's he's a he's a locked and loaded option, and you have to begrudgingly put him in your team, and if you, even if you're not happy about it. Mitch, Jack from an injury From an injury point of view, as I said, I'm not concerned, so it'd be tempting. Yeah, three... I'd want I'd to I'd I'd see him in the preseason, though. Yeah, well that's it. Well, look, you you got to come to some of the games, mate. I keep on offering you, and you you're like, oh, I'm mate, busy. I, I am busy. I'm oh, busy. What are you What are you doing on a Saturday? Playing golf. <laughs> or, or 
or I'm all coming up to this part of the year. I start work on Saturday, so that, that makes it tricky. Fair enough. Do you guys right. just want a quick Jack Hetherington uh, nugget before we sign out? Oh, I love Jack Hetherington nuggets. Let's do it. All right. Who had a faster Telstra tracker time <laughs> in 2021 out of uh, – actually, no, I'm, tr- I'm just trying to think of another player. Jack Hetherington had a t- top 10 Telstra tracker speed in 2021. No. Yeah. yeah, he did. He is a quick he, dude, he, I remember. He had a faster... He Here's a list of players that are not on that top 10 list. Matt Dufty, Alex Johnson. <laughs> wow, because Dufty can fly, right? Yeah, 36.1 kilometres per hour he registered. Uh, look, chasing I... a guy down the sideline. I don't know if oh, you remember now, it. Now my interest is is really peaky. Uh, uh, here we go. This <laughs> he, is Phil in, Gould. He's a boom. This he's is a boom. This is Phil Gould on Jack Hetherington, right? Jack is physically elite. Tessa off the charts. Needs to work on the five inches between his ears. <laughs> <laughs> There's a bit more to it than that. But seriously, Phil would know because he tests these guys to an inch within their lives, right? He bought him to the Bulldogs. This this dude, he went through the Panthers. The only reason I wasn't playing there is because they couldn't afford more than one guy blowing the heads off every week, right? <laughs> it's, I'm serious. Like, he is a yeah. guy where if he's matured, jeez. Okay, yeah. so, so look, let, let, let's put stuff. him in the spicy category. But I'm going to put a star in He might actually, I might actually right. put the, the boom on him. on the Boom edge. in preseason. If, if, if he looks good in the preseason, he becomes a boom. Yeah. So... Because, yeah, he just plays harder. And he just got that bonky... Uh, so, is it the bony bonkart injury or whatever it is? The shoulder one? Bankart. But he had that repaired with the Larger. He did. That's what I was saying. Yeah. So, yeah. he should be fine, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's 26. He's got to come down at some point. Surely. It's a, it's, it's a good surgery. He'll be okay. We Next. saw both... We saw Cam Murray fly out of the gates with it last year when I predicted that he'd be a bit slow like Cleary was. So, it, it's certainly possible. Yeah, oh, oh, mate, he only got a 45 round one and then he, he got like an 80 the next game. <laughs> yeah, I said three games, it was one. Anyway, it is what it is. Yes. Oh, mate, Cam Murray, they're, they're flogging him to death. Like, I will go through that at a later time, but geez, they're doing him a disservice. He's he's going to be wrecked. Wrecked by the time he's like late 20s. Anyway, moving on. Look, uh, guys, a- any final thoughts on the Knights or about anything we talked about tonight? Mark? No, I think we covered it pretty well, boys. Uh, I, I just really like that we just gave 100% correct information. I was really happy with that. <laughs> Fair enough. We, it's something we, we try and do on our podcast, Mark. <laughs> we don't always get it right. We often get things very, very wrong. Uh, <laughs> Mitch, how about you? Anything? Mate, I, I did as I always do. I left it all out there on the field. Oh, on the golf course. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, thank you're you. Welcome every- anytime, mate. Mate, you're welcome anytime. Mate, you don't have that many spare balls. Anyway. No, I witnessed that live. That was bad. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't played since I was 18, mate. It, it was pretty bad. Anyway, look, uh, this is uh, the Boom or Bust NRL Fantasy Podcast signing out for our preseason podcast three. Thank you all for listening.
Thanks for listening to the Boomer Bus podcast. Make sure to subscribe and check out our Facebook page for more info.